Hi, I'm Natalie. I'm Lena. And I'm Sean. We are three friends who all love film and thought it would be cool to discuss movies from our perspective. We rate movies in terms of how drunk you need to be to enjoy them. We call it the Martini Scale. Hi, are you okay, Lena? No. Really? Is Natalie... My mouth is like watering. You know what? I don't feel like we're all going to like the martinis every single time. We all have different tastes. It's true. So for me to hit a home run I haven't tried every this martini time, yet. I'm kind of scared. We're rolling, by the way. Hi. How are you, ladies, today? Hi. I'm Le- fine. I like the martini. Okay, I'm going to taste it for the okay, first time, everybody. Let's go for it. Okay. Oh. Should I lick the... Is it sugar or salt? Please it's do. salt? Oh. It's sugar. It's, it's definitely sugar. It's sugar. Oh, sugar. <laughs> Tastes kind of... Jesus Christ, Natalie. No. <laughs> the, the rim doesn't really go with the martini itself. So I believe that we, um, <laughs> is this the Robitussin martini? <laughs> this literally tastes like off medicine. Like Lena said that a minute ago and I was like, no, it doesn't. But it legit tastes like Are you rub- serious? It, it tastes legit like- tastes like cough syrup. And it, my mouth is doing all kinds of it's, weird things yeah. because of the sugar rim that's not really sugar. Maybe I, it's still sugar and salt. It's sugar and salt. Yeah. You made a sugar and salt <laughs> rim for fuck's no, sake. No, I bought that just for the color because I wanted the color on the it's rim. It's definitely sugar and salt. Flavor be damned. Yeah. It's definitely salt and sugar. And the my inside mouth is, is never... definitely cough syrup. And then you put... Is this green Robitussin? <laughs> I was... <laughs> I know you haven't been feeling well, but we don't... Lena and I don't need cough medicine. Like, so, look at my goosebumps from it. It's a Midori martini that's from the website. So it's, I didn't really do anything different to it other than putting this rim on it. Um... That's weird. Yes, I have been sick. Maybe my taste buds aren't the totally back yet. The rim is probably the best part, actually. Oh, really? So like that. It's I a mean, strawberry lime rim. I'm for yeah. sure going to get drunk because I feel like I'm, I'm drinking straight up, like, golf medicine. Yeah. Have I, you named this martini, Natalie? What's a, what's a martini today? It's uh, the Joker martini. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, I thought it what was, was going to be like toxic sewer sludge from I came Gotham. up with a great name when I first saw it. What did I call it? You that's what it should be. toxic something. I don't know. You're yeah, toxic. Give I mean, that's not the words. <laughs> we can rename it if you would like. I was, and I, then when we post it on our social, I feel we can like you're have much that more, better. We can like, have a vote. Does anyone want this to just be called the Joker or Toxic Sewer Mutant something? I feel like this is the martini you should have <laughs> made for. But this isn't the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles martini. I feel like this is the martini you should have made for the movies we never want to see again. It could have been the martini we never want to drink again. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, that is rude. That is rude. <laughs> I look. I appreciate all your martinis, I do and too. I, I literally love all of them. This one is definitely. I don't want to have this in my mouth ever again. Oh, I don't mind it. Again, I could not have a lot of taste. About not wanting something in your mouth ever again. Um, maybe the second time I've said that. Okay. There is something tingly on my tongue right now. I don't know what it's from. Is it it could your, have been the because the of the toxicity. Is it your Peter Tingle? I also your Peter Tingle. I don't know what that is. It's from Spider Man. Oh yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> it's also could be related to the fire I lit on top of mine. Oh, um, so there again, will be a maybe, there will be a special. Maybe I need that fire on there. Maybe. Do you want to try mine? Yeah. There will be a special video that we're going to post for our social channels. doesn't look as green either. Um, because it Natalie, could have been because of the fire. Natalie tried it's to light us on fire. fire when she took the picture for the martini this week. And so yeah, there's a behind the scenes video. delicious. Really? Then yes. take this one. Take this one. I'll take yours. Really? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't mind mine. Huh. Interesting. Well, take, that, take a sip of that one. Tell me if you notice a difference. Let me see. I'm going to do a little taste test. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> She'd never admit it if she didn't. She wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I would. There was a martini I made. I can't remember what episode it was for. It was some orange. Orange flavor or orange colored? I don't know. I can't remember which one, but it was not good. We were talking about how not good it was. Oh. Hmm, okay. Let's get to the movies. Okay. Okay, this great. is a movie podcast, yeah. too. Uh, we're, today, we're going to talk about two movies. We've, we're doing this new thing where we're kind of combining movies that are recently out. That way, in case you don't like one of them, you will still enjoy the episode. Well, um, I think that there's, I think, a lot of good movies coming out, too, that we want to, like, cover as much ground as yes, possible. Yes. Yeah. So, in this episode, we're going to be covering The Joker, 
and Jexy. Not it's the. Jo- oh, it's not, not the, the Joker. Joker. I'm sorry, it it's jo- Joker. Just Joker. Okay, Joker. Joker is a 2019 psychological thriller directed by Tom Phillips. Who Todd. Put... Oh fuck! Emma. Oh my God. See, this is why you can't give me straight up Robitussin because it's like. <laughs> Uh, it's directed by Todd Phillips, excuse me. Uh, he co-wrote the screenplay with, is it Scott Silver? Am I getting that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was not a tricky one. S- not Sliver. Silver. <laughs> the film uh, is based on the DC Comics characters, and it stars Joaquin Phoenix as... Oh, I'm sorry. What? If, that's weird. What does it say? Joaquin Phoenix as... Arthur The Black? Joker. The Joker. Yeah. Okay, he, but the movie's not yeah. called The Joker. It's fine. Um, it also... Let's see. It's... The origin story for the Joker, uh, it's set in 1981. Oh, that's good to know, because I was wondering if it was like it had like a 70s, 80s vibe to yeah. it. Uh, and it follows Arthur Fleck, a failed stand-up comedian who turns to a life of crime and chaos in Gotham City. Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, is that her name? Did I say that right? That's and a really good question. I have no Francis idea. Conroy, um, appearance supporting roles. Is Francis Conroy, I think, is the mother, and I'm guessing yes. Zazie Beetz is the one that's also in the um, another movie that I recently saw. That we'll talk about in another episode. She played Sophia or Sophie or something? The neighbor, right? That he yeah. like, is thinking that he's having like an affair with or something. Yeah. Okay. Jexy is a 2019 comedy written directed by John Lucas and Scott Moore. It stars Adam Devine, Alexandra Shipp, Michael Pena, Rose Byrne, Justin Hartley, Wanda Sykes, Ron Funches, mm-hmm. and Charlene Yee. All right. So we're going to talk about Joker first and then we will move into Jexy a bit later in the episode. I sourced the crowd, being my friends that uh-huh. weren't you guys, um, to find out what people thought of this movie. Because when I left, I wasn't sure. Like, I felt like I didn't, like, I, I didn't know if I loved it. I didn't know if I hated it. Like, and maybe that was the objective. I don't know. Um, but I actually had, like, pretty interesting reactions. One friend literally had this, like, visceral, like, it was the worst movie I've ever seen. Wow. And then another friend was like, I loved it, especially how raw it was. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know what to do with that. So one of my friends that saw it said that she was just so like offended and uncomfortable by it. And she's like the, his reaction and his behavior throughout the film was incredibly disturbing. And I agree with that, obviously. But my issue is the fact that like, and I feel like a lot of people aren't really talking about this part. It's that he, the system had obviously failed him from the beginning correct. of his life. Mm-hmm. Correct. And so you watch this evolution of this human being, which is what he is, mm-hmm. regardless of we what mm-hmm. we want to call it. Um, the system continued to fail him. So he, when he was put back into the system and, mm-hmm. you know, put on drugs and put on, you know, mandatory therapy and all that stuff, that part of the system continued to fail him while he was a willing participant of it, mm-hmm. right? And so you had society and the people in society still, like, trying to pull him down, whether it was the people on the street corner stealing his sign and beating him up, whether it was the people on the subway. And up, up until that point, he... He did everything that he was supposed to do. And I think that's kind of like the metaphor in some of this, at least from my perspective, is that like he was not he he did not become violent until he literally someone said, and I think the gun control issue is kind of an interesting thing, someone said, Here's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Use this if you have to defend yourself next time, right? Because right. the person had recognized that he'd been beat up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he immediately saw that weapon and was like, okay, now I'm going to go on a shooting spree. Yeah. It was literally like... He played with it. He didn't know what to do with it. Correct. You know, I think he it, was it, confused. To me, it showed a lot of like not an understanding of the power of that weapon and what that could do. And so I thought that... I mean, I put that as like my favorite scene in the movie is when he's in his apartment first playing with the gun because yeah. that felt so honest and kind of, you know not aware of how powerful this thing is and just i thought that that was such an amazing look at that experience and also for his he's an adult yes but he's not acting like an adult he clearly Mm -hmm. was not raised in a way that's normal his mother clearly is real or not real does he live i don't know there was a whole thing there real and abused him and all of that so it's like He's not mentally uh, an well, adult, yeah. and he's not mentally well, obviously. And it's very interesting to watch, you know, his brain trying to like contemplate everything, even even in that scene. And mm-hmm. but then that's the part on the subway where he finally, you know, takes it into his own hands and mm-hmm. then kills those guys on the subway. Like I. I, I he do was think, scared. Well, of course he was scared, right? And he was that was the only way he could possibly defend himself against three big guys, right? right? And so I think that so like that part of it was interesting to me. 
the fact that they, the writers, the directors, whomever made a choice to make them like the Wall Street bankers, I think was metaphoric, right? right? Because that could have yeah. been three. It could have been any people from Harlem or coming something from like, a baseball game. Totally, or whatever. Who totally. Knows? Yeah. And so I think that like there were definitely like social layers and statements that were trying to be made here, which I appreciated mm-hmm. because it's true. Like if you look at what's going on in our society right now, like the rich are getting richer. Right. And the poor, the disparity between rich and poor is becoming greater and the people in the middle are falling to one side or the other. Mm -hmm. And that is continuing to happen in our, in real time in 2020. Right. So I think that there's a really interesting story there to tell. And I think that while most of us, you know, don't feel entirely disenfranchised yet, I can see how society is going in that direction. And it's actually quite terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my two cents. I no, I completely agree with all of that. And I think, I mean, this is kind of some of the notes that I put in that I feel like didn't work well because it's not like I felt like things didn't work well. It's what made me have a hard time watching it. Mm-hmm. And I think, so literally I felt like there were, there wasn't a single good soul in this movie. Everybody was a total piece of shit. There was no one to root for. And yeah, and I felt like there was no one to root for. And maybe that's my ignorant living in a bubble mindset of life where I don't feel like that's an accurate portrayal of life and people in this world. I feel like there are so many more good people than there are bad, terrible people. We also have to remember the story is being told from his perspective, though, right? Yes. And so from his perspective, there are no good people mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, I understand that. I think it's just it's hard for me to swallow and watch and not be uncomfortable through this whole thing when everyone is a piece of shit. And the only one that seemed like a good caring person was Sophie. But all of those moments were his imagination that we end up finding out. And it's who knows who she is, you know, and it's and how she would treat him. And, you know, I don't know. It just it was really disheartening to watch two and a half hours of total everybody is a terrible person but i think we also have to remember one yes it's a movie but it's also set in gotham where it is a parallel world it's not the world we live in which has always been very dark world but there are people that do live in that disparity correct in the same country that we live in no I, i understand that and it's difficult because some people do view that way and especially a mentally ill person mm-hmm. who knows how they're viewing every the things that they're around and surrounded by yeah and i'm not saying that that's not a completely accurate portrayal from that perspective right. and how they view life and the people around them um and maybe then that's helpful that it is that way it just that's i'm just saying that that's the reason why i was uncomfortable i'm not saying anything should change or be different, or they should have had some sort of hero in it. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm saying I recognize that this is the reason I felt so uncomfortable. And I think that was the intention, though. Yeah. I I don't... I don't think anybody that sees this movie is going to come out of it saying like, oh my God, I loved it and I felt really comfortable watching it. Mm -hmm. I think that there are so many variables at play. So like, one of the questions I have for you guys is like, do you guys feel comfortable going to this movie the night it came out? Do you mean like, did we feel unsafe? Yes. I didn't feel unsafe at all. I didn't feel unsafe at all. And until you said and pointed out the cop out front, I had no idea. Yeah. So there was, we went to see it in in Hollywood and there was literally a cop outside. But that stuff doesn't get to me. Like, I don't, I I can't live in that world. I'm not saying that I will, we live in that world. But I don't. Regardless of whether or not you want to, like we do. And I think that like from my perspective. But I think that's a very small part of the world. I'm not saying you should always be going out and living in fear 24-7. But I'm saying that like in this instance, because there was publicity around the fact that like, they were mm-hmm. saying, like, we're going to make sure that there's police outside of the theaters. And, like, I didn't hear that Just at in all. case. I had heard some of that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, I heard like, it on the news a lot. And I think that what's interesting about that is that that is the world that we live in today, right? And so does that make it even more ironic to go into a movie like this? Because like, you said you felt uncomfortable. And I felt uncomfortable, too. But I think that was part of the reason. It's oh. like I was on edge. No, because I didn't Not thinking someone's going to necessarily pull a gun on the theater, but, like, I don't know. Like, it's it's scary that we even have to, like, give that consideration when we go and sit down in a theater full of hundreds of people. Like, that's fucked up, mm-hmm. right? That that's the country that we live in. I'd never give that consideration. Interesting. For me, it definitely, like, heightened my level of awareness slash uh, uncomfortableness. Again, the- I don't want to, like, pretend like I'm living my life with rose-colored glasses or anything. But no. at a certain point for, you know, to not have, I think added stress and you know 
dampen the mood of everything I do. I, I don't want to live life with that fear over me all the time. I really yeah. don't. I'm not saying that I don't want to be unaware, unprepared if something happens, but I don't want to live my life making decisions based on that fear that hinder me from living my life. You so can't. I'm never going to not yeah. go to music festivals. I'm not going to go see this movie on you not go see this movie on opening weekend. I'm not going to go attend certain events because I think something might happen. That's yeah. just not what I, I believe I can't in. live that way. Well, yeah. and we didn't ultimately, right? Well, like we still went. Yeah. But I'm saying that like it definitely from my perspective, it, it caused me to second guess the circumstance. And I Did think Did you that, think like think twice about going that night? You know what's funny is I actually, I hadn't read any of the stuff mm-hmm. that we, we just talked about until after I saw the movie. Um, I think the thing that, that heightened me ever so slightly was seeing the cop outside because that's not something that you normally see outside of a theater. And uh, for me, I, there was something about that for me that just made me feel like, did something happen Was here? he in the theater? No, he was standing right outside the door before you walked in. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah. There were two of them yeah. and he had a dog. Yeah. But, oh. So, and I didn't notice until you said something. I was like, oh, they're just here. Like, I didn't think it was for any specific reason. And also, I mean, this is getting too deep maybe, but like also are we – perpetuating the fear by having the cop there and talking about it and this that's also what i feel like is part of what michael moore was saying in that statement that i do feel like is true that it's like there's so much you also i think a lot of these psychopaths and people that do this feed off of that fear celebrity and like being noticed and being shown and talked about on the news and, and that's why they are really pushing to like not mention their name on the news when there's totally. any of these mass shootings and talk about the victims instead of the shooter. Well, and, and I there's think, also something psychological about mm-hmm. having the cop outside, right? Like even yeah. if like just as like a precautionary measure of like, hey, we want you to know that like just in case you're thinking about something, this thing exists, right? Yeah. So like I live next to a Jewish temple. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Jewish holidays that have happened as of late. And one of the things I've noticed that's really interesting to me is there's around the Jewish holidays, there is a cop car parked outside Mm -hmm. for no reason other than to just say like, hey, our presence is is here in the area. So if you're thinking about trying anything stupid, like just know that like don't. And I feel like if that's something that they want to like, you know, try to do extra protection, that's fine. But like don't have him standing outside. Just have him wandering around close by that doesn't bring attention to it. Yeah. You know, like you can, you Granted, can, you I didn't, can, I didn't even notice him. Yeah, but you can, the police officers can say, okay, we're going to go visit some theaters today and just do that on their own. They don't have to widely spread that news out that they're going to be doing that. They just should do it. Yeah, I do also not... think that like all of the news coverage leading up to that weekend and that's all perpetuating yeah. that fear where it's just like, again, are you doing this because you want Wanting something to happen? to happen? Yeah. And you're putting this idea in people's I think it's also, I don't know. It's, it's so also weird. like the chicken or the egg syndrome, right? Though, because yeah. is it perpetuating the fear or is it putting people, the appropriate people on notice? Because I don't know which one it's doing. And to be honest with you, like, I think I would much rather have the cop outside the theater as the precautionary measure that says, like, if you're thinking about fucking with anybody, like, this is not the place. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But I also don't want to, like, have to walk through security when I go to a movie. You know what I mean? Like, if that's yeah. where it's going. So I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think in certain areas that like are really populated, I think where we went to the theater, that's probably a pretty smart decision to have a cop in that theater or nearby all the time. Yeah. That shouldn't just be for this specific movie or singling out this specific story that triggers something in people that does. I don't know. I just to me, if this is part of the society we live in now then that should just be a normal practice right that should exactly. just be part of and not make our a big normal spectacle pro- yeah our normal it. protections that you want to keep people safe that's part of your job yeah so I, I think the the point that i'm trying to make in all this is that for me i know that there was a lot of controversy around the film and around the story but i found most interesting um the social dynamic that the story is exploring um, and the things that I think people in our society can actually relate to, that to me is what the film was actually about mm-hmm. underneath all the other bullshit. Right. Um, and I think that's that's a really interesting story that was yeah, being told. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, that's all the stuff that made me uncomfortable and hard to watch. Totally. And not that I compare these movies at all. 
But I mean, it was the same sort of thing like while watching Mother where it's like this is a very uncomfortable (laughs) like I like this is a disturbing movie that's talking about that is it makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's supposed to. Yeah. It's doing its job. Yeah. You know, very uncomfortable. And that's so and I feel like like this accomplished that. But that's it. That's why it's just hard for me to be like, oh, I love this movie. It's like I still feel weird (laughs) inside. No, totally. And, and I, that weirdness and uncomfort wasn't stimulated or caused by news or other outside stuff. It was the art that I was watching. Watching. Yes. And I think that obviously it was intended to make us uncomfortable. And I think that it's important for us to see things like that because I don't think about, I'm not going to say, we definitely, I think about marginalized people all the time, mm-hmm. right? Like we live in a huge city where there's tons of diversity. But I think that like from my perspective, watch spending two hours with this person really did cause me to reflect on like, Oh my God, like how can I contribute differently to society? Because there are people like this that exist Mm -hmm. and you can, you can see literally the stories being told of how they get to this place and nobody should ever have to be in such a dark place because society has turned their back on them that they end up like this. Mm -hmm. And I think that like as a society, we need those of us that have like the mental capacity and the intelligence to be asking these questions should be asking more of this question. What can we do to prevent people that are in this situation from having to endure this kind of life? Yeah. And it's even, you know, at the beginning when he's seeing his like uh, social worker, I think that's who she yeah. was. And she's the one who's, you know, releasing any medication for him. And even though that isn't the ideal best circumstances, of how to care for somebody with these issues. At least it was something. Somebody. At least it was some sort of help where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course, this, you could see clearly this man is not living an ideal life by any means. But at least there's some help there. And then when all of that goes away, it's like these are the ramifications of taking away all, all help at all. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, and I think, too, like he there was a moment, too, where he was like when she he was like, you don't listen to me. Like yeah. you're literally your job is to like, listen to me and help me. And he's like, you don't even hear what I'm, what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think that again, that the argument that you always hear from these people is that they feel like they're not being heard. And so again, the question becomes then how as a society, can we make sure that we're paying attention to these people? Because mm-hmm. I don't think that anybody, and I, I haven't read all the studies on this, but I don't think anyone takes you know, a machine gun and kills crowds of people if they feel like they're being heard and they feel like, you know what I mean? Like their points getting across. And I don't know. I I just think that there's, there's a really interesting conversation in this. It's not necessarily for this podcast, but it, I love the, the thought that it sparked for me in the, in the ways that it caused me to think about things that I haven't given a ton of thought to. And hopefully in in a comic book movie, right? That to me is like seeing how, wildly you could take a story that has already existed and a character that has already existed in a world that people are already feel very comfortable and aware of and completely turn it on its head and tell a completely different story making a social statement yeah Yeah, which i find very very interesting and it's you know i hate all the remakes and reboots and stuff like that i'm like this is how you do it yeah like if you're gonna do something like this and mm-hmm. you're going to take a story that, you know, already has an audience. How do you tell a different story then? Well, and I think I have an, actually have an interesting note here because you hit in our text thread prior to meeting for this recording today. You had mentioned that you wanted to potentially bring someone on who's mm-hmm. a comic book fan. And my immediate thought was like, this is not a comic Com- book Yeah, movie. I like, thought that too. This is not like, and, and I, I know that it is, right? Like this character stems from DC Comics. But this movie was much more about like a political social story that was being told than it was a comic book statement. Yeah. And maybe it'd be cool to get a perspective from someone that's that like, I has wanna, read the comic that's book. That's what I want to – I was curious yeah. how somebody who is familiar with comics, familiar with the origin stories – I mean, I know like the origin stories for Joker is kind, it's a little bit slightly unclear and it's been told in a lot of different ways. So it's not super cut and dry. Yeah. But I'd be curious, somebody who really has been attached to this character and their backstory for so long, how they feel about this retelling of it. Yeah. I want to ask you guys, um, how did you feel about Joaquin's performance? And then I also want to see how you correlate that with uh, Heath Ledger's performance because mm-hmm. they're two vastly different performances of the same character, both incredibly dark, but I think played very differently. And I want to get your guys' take on that. 
why we're we forgetting about Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so it's weird because I don't, someone, someone else had pointed that out when I was asking a similar question in like a social setting. And I think that like, I, I don't, th- the Jack Nicholson version of this character was a light, more light comedic performance. I felt like the Joaquin Phoenix Heath Ledger stuff feels much darker to me. But Jack Nicholson's Joker, you saw him before he was Joker, and then you learned how he became Joker in that movie. Yeah. Heath Ledger was just the Joker. Yeah, you didn't You didn't, you know, didn't know any backstory. Anything. He just came on screen as the Joker. But I felt like he still told me everything I needed to know about the character through that. Like, well, I didn't... I, I, they were very different performances. Totally. So and then let's compare all three. Incredible. Yeah, I was going to say, we can compare all three. All I'm, three. I'm not trying to discount Jack Nicholson. I just all feel that three like, incredible. Joaquin and Heath, there, there was a similar tone to the type of character they were playing. It was a much darker, um, much more hopeless character, whereas the, the Joker in the 80s, you know, Michael Keaton fame, that whole film just felt like it had a much glossier colorful perspective on things it was super poppy and yeah. super fun but it was still dark it was fun it was dark for sure but i think it was still it still felt like comic, comic book, book fantasy Correct. world yeah. whereas heath and dark knight that was much more grounded and darker versions of batman than we had ever, ever seen, seen. Yeah. but it was still in a world of fantastical bad guys and, you know, Bane and different things that were not of this world in normal circumstances. Um, And I, again, we say this all the time where it's just kind of like Heath's Joker. The whole backstory is some people just want to watch the world burn. There wasn't any other backstory as to why he was who he was. Mental. Yeah. And so I think in this, this took away all of the fantasy and otherworldliness of this and comic books and pop and made this just a grounded human story yeah that could take place anywhere under any circumstances yep. there was nothing superhero or comic booky ab- about this movie so it's just it's three wildly different portrayals exactly it's hard when people want to compare because how do you compare they're all Three different movies. Well, of two, course. Well, I think two, I know you want to talk about just the two, but the, even those two. They're, they're still so wildly Dark different. Dark Knight is about Batman. Joker's just there as a side character, great side character. Well, that's true, in the the first, movie, that's true in the first Batman, though, too, right? With Michael Keaton. I mean, the Joker is also there as a side character. I think that this movie was yeah. obviously called Joker, which means it was right. about Joker. But I don't know. We've, we've discussed all three at this point, and I think it's it's fair to do that like i wasn't trying yeah. to discount jack nicholson i just think that like in like present day i think these are the two most recent yeah. and i think they're they're the two most similar in terms of the performance uh, well they're yeah. let's not forget about suicide squad and jared leto we oh, must forget God. about that actually yeah. in fact I'm i think going everyone to has forgotten yeah. <laughs> again also very wildly different portrayal of joker uh, yeah. yeah so different that it was like whatever it fine i don't care like i don't it didn't bother me because it's like this isn't this isn't even the same thing. It's not like and he was barely in yeah. the movie, probably because yeah. he was horrible. But Lena, like, <laughs> did you have something you wanted to address? I, I see something on your screen. Oh about that well, if we were going to actually talk about the movie, <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about the movie. I'm just kidding. No, it just because um, I I just think Joaquin did such an exceptional job, and I was reading this um, article from Variety. Um, about how Todd Phillips was explaining like the opening scene with Joker mm-hmm. and how that one single tear. Did you guys read oh, this? Oh, yeah, I read that. It was like, so he pre-recorded like the score for the movie and they just sat in this room and Joaquin did that single tear on his own in one take just from listening to the score of the movie. Interesting. So they had done other like, takes of it and yeah. he had not... There, no, no tears yeah. or anything had happened. He played the music and then mm-hmm. he just like lived it. And like just that one little tear came down. I just think that he's just so good. He was so good. I don't know. I just I mean, thought that was really. music is incredibly powerful. Yeah, so that makes that, sense. It makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense like to get into that world of it. You yeah. know. I have some. Okay. So one of the controversies surrounding this movie was. Did you guys see that? I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, where yeah. um, they released. We talked about this. Todd Phillips released. Gave Jimmy Kimmel 
like footage of Joaquin flipping out on the DP during a scene. Did you see this? No, I did not see this. So it's kind of like the cameras were still rolling and they got into a little bit of a tiff and Joaquin played it off as like he had no idea that this was going to be shown, which it's like your publicist knows you're in on this. There's no way somebody's going to be showing. So the director took this to Jimmy Kimmel and Joaquin's pretending that he didn't know this was going to get out. Yes. Interesting. And because it doesn't, it on the surface doesn't portray it makes him look like a dick it makes him look a major like dick treating the crew like a dick gotcha which when i first watched it and saw it that night and saw like the reaction i thought his because re- he's a good actor mm-hmm. i bought it that he didn't know that it was being released yeah and he was very like apologetic and i was like you should not fucking apologize because it's the scene right where it's like you're breaking into the third act he is now joker and he's putting on his makeup to go do the maury show Okay. So it's like, to me, it's like you, this, you're in a room by yourself. And the whole thing is that he was saying that the DP was talking while they were doing the take. So he starts yelling at the DP. And I was like, yeah, like you're, tr- you are trying to get into this character, character and people are fucking talking while you're trying to do this and you're rolling. Fucking I would, rude. I would be fucking screaming at them too. And it's like, I understand that like. They still have people still have to do their job, adjust lighting while things are going on. So they're whispering into walkies a lot of the time. But like in a moment like this where you're the only person in the room and you've got to get into that character, I was like, you should not apologize for flipping out. Like, like yeah, I completely I was like, that is so fucking rude I that people are too. talking during that. Yeah. So I was like, even if it is a joke that Joaquin's in on and right. I, but I'm like, the rest of the world is not going to know. That this is a joke. They're going to think you're a diva and a dick. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, that's really unfair for you to even portray yourself as that and be a part of the joke. I'm like, you know, people, they're only going to hear the first story. They're not going to hear the secondary story that like you were part of it. But you know what? I don't think he cares if people think he's a dick. Probably not. I mean, at this point, you could tell me any story about him and I'd be like, I believe that because Because he's he's been around a while. Wild and and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He plays very eccentric characters. I expect you to be quite eccentric. Yeah. Yeah. That said, for the kids at home, DP means director of photography. Not what you're thinking. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Moving on. Do you guys have any other thoughts on this film before we... I mean, what would you, let's say what were your guys' favorite scene? I talked about the him first playing with the gun. What did you guys think? I did like that scene. I liked when he was in the green room about to go on to the Maury show and um, Maury comes back there with whoever that guy is. Mark Marin. Well, yeah, but whoever he's supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Um and like they're talking manager. to him like, you know, about it and why he's wearing the makeup and he's like, "No, it's just part of my act." Da 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 da. Then he gets on there and and then he starts telling Maury you brought me here to make fun of me Mm -hmm. and it like clicked like oh he knows why he's there exactly he knows what he's doing and bam Mm -hmm. I don't know it was just a very shocking scene but a very like good and powerful scene like because I was like I wasn't expecting that I wasn't expecting him to like turn so or already knew what he was going to be doing because I wasn't in on it yet yeah I would agree that was my favorite scene also for different reasons. Or I just, for me, it was, you're watching him finally unravel. Right. Right. And so you saw what he's capable of in like the scenes leading up to this, but then this is like the climax of the film. Right. And I think that what was interesting about that for me is that. Unravel or like really become who he is meant to be. But I think he becomes that because he's unraveled finally. Like he's like literally like every last. But he was more put together. Every last ounce of sanity though was like gone. That he was like cognizant of. So I think, but what was interesting for me is that. (coughs) Sorry. What was interesting for me was that like leading up to that, they had, they had built this premise that he was probably going to go on TV and kill himself. Mm -hmm. And so while I didn't necessarily think that was going to happen because this is an origin story of a character that's obviously alive later and whatever in cinematic universe, but I still kind of thought in the back of my mind that that's what he was going to do. I did too. I still thought that that's what he was going to do. And so when the opposite happened and he goes on this like shooting rampage or whatever, like and kills um, Robert De Niro's character, I was quite shocked, actually. Like, I, I literally was not expecting that, despite the fact that it was clearly going to that place, right? But for me, I was like, when that happened, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, like, yeah. shit just got real. Mm-hmm, like, and yeah. here we go. And yeah. then it's the end of the movie, and you're like, ah, what? Like, yeah. so weird. I do want to say, you. I think you bring up a really good point that is part of this movie and part of a movie that's completely unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like this, I think we... 
people operate, society operates and treats underprivileged people, people with mental illness, whatever it is, as if even old people that they can't hear or don't understand what we're saying or treating them. Mm-hmm. And I think that recognition that he knew. He knows. Like, you guys are all acting like he doesn't He's know. He's just now going to speak up about it. You know, like you're treating him as if you're getting away with making fun of him to the world, now mm-hmm. to his face. And it, it's an awful thing. And I so I just yeah. saw... Uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon. I don't know. I don't know if you guys. I've heard have seen good things it. about that. I haven't seen it. I absolutely love that movie. And one of so this kid has Down syndrome, and he says like I know when people are call me at- are laughing at me and call me a retard. I hate to say that, but like you know, and that I can't do these things, and I can. And it's just like I think society just pretends like oh we can say these things, and they don't understand. Yeah that this is how we think and feel and treat them. Mm-hmm. And they know that we're treating them differently. Yeah. And so I loved that moment in this where it's like, no, like, it's clearly like, yes, maybe there are limitations to where he is development developmentally because of his childhood and whatever, mm-hmm. but he still understands what you're doing to him, you know? Yeah. So I think that was really, really important to show that. Yeah. I mean, the mental illness story that existed here, but then also just is in our society. Like it's so prominent and it's the one thing that like, I feel so passionate about it because I think living in LA, especially like there's so many homeless people. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that the first thing that we need to solve for is mental illness before we can address anything else that goes on in our society, because Mm -hmm. that leads to so many other things. And I think that at the underlying theme of this film, that is what it was trying to talk talk to us about, right? Mm-hmm. And like, the, I just... Yeah, and well, also we're talking about it and also because people should be talking about it and we need to talk about it. Correct. And we shouldn't be shamed about it and felt guilty or whatever about yeah. any of that stuff. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else with the Joker before we move on to something a little more lighthearted? Um, well, one thing I did want to like give a little bit of a shout out to more on the like filmmaker side of things one i felt like the cinematography was outstanding i think this is you know we talk about movies you should see at home movies you should see in the theater this is absolutely i think something that deserves as big of a screen as you can see it on um I think it was absolutely beautiful and how it was shot. And yeah. somebody had told me that the scene where he's dancing in the bathroom after shooting the guys oh, on yeah. the subway, that all of that dancing was improvised, but how the camera was just moving with Capturing him. That, yeah. And I was like, if it was improvised, like the like intuition that that camera operator had to like, it was just, it was gorgeous. It was really, really beautiful. And so I feel like the choreography and the movements of Joaquin on top of how it was shot was just flawless. And yeah. then the music was amazing. Mm-hmm. So it just, there were so many components to this, the production. And we've talked in the past again about like that Zac Efron movie where it's like they're wearing the costumes, they're wearing the wigs yeah. and the set dressing feels fake. This felt so genuinely that world. It's so funny that you said that just now because I, so that's, I think about this a lot mm-hmm. when I'm in a film where like at the very beginning, they, they set that tone, that grittiness of mm-hmm. like the era, right? So yeah. this was like late seventies, early eighties. And there was something about just like the way that it was shot and the lighting where you actually felt like you're watching a movie in the eighties. Yeah. Like that's, they somehow did that. Right. And my first thought was that Zac Efron movie on Netflix <laughs> where I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck are they doing with like, which era are we in? Because yeah. it's clearly like was shot was in present day, the 70s. but it was supposed yeah. to be in the seventies and like the clothes, like it was so weird. Everything. But like yeah. this one obviously was like much bigger budget, but like, yeah. I don't know. And it was it's, interesting. I felt like it's still, yes, it felt like that era, but it still felt fresh and new yeah. and modern, even though it's like, I know a lot of people are talking, there's very strong influences from like taxi driver and I haven't seen, but like the king of comedy. So it's like, I know people are talking a lot about those influences and I definitely saw a lot from what I remember of Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, but it didn't feel like oh you're stealing from no. that it felt like influenced and done in a fresh new way I don't know I was really yeah. I appreciated that same what do we want to give our martini scores for this movie oh should we do that at the end or should we do that now let's do it now I let's can see. never remember fine. when we do that what did you guys give uh, Joker I gave it a one one I'm at a two. Oh. Two plus um, again, it doesn't live up there with like some of my favorites in terms of ones, 
Um, but it's definitely a movie that I think is important. You should see it despite mm-hmm. whatever you've heard about it. And um, if it makes you uncomfortable, good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did as as uncomfortable as I was in it. My first thought was like, I really want to come see it again. Yeah. So I can appreciate it even more. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't like, yeah, this isn't going to be like, oh, Friday night. Like, I'm going to turn on Joker. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, watch it in a fun way. But it's, I, I do would. think... <laughs> Sick I, lo- I thought it was great <laughs> but like i do i really am eager to see it again and see things that i maybe missed the first time and you know have a greater appreciation to things i saw you know the first time so i think i'm excited to see it again so i think what's interesting is natalie i just gave her my martini <laughs> and she's tasting it for the first time and she looks like she wants to vomit, vomit. <laughs> it's not great it's Anne. proven it's our point so, that it wasn't great so from the we beginning. weren't we weren't being rude we were just being we honest weren't. yeah but you like that one this is yours yeah do you like that better than that okay i mean perhaps maybe more this midori has flavor. is flavor yours I this has flavor to it that tasted straight up like coffee syrup. maybe midori. i put more midori in yours look how much that... greener this is no the more midori would be green yeah the greener one and it's this sweet. Is, Midori this is because of the cherry. I dumped out an entire one, too. Okay. I, I, I had a real way, problem with the martinis I don't today. Know. I, used to, I don't know. So the only thing I used to drink when I was in my early 20s... Midori sours. Was Midori sours. Yes. Why does that not yes, surprise me? Yes, honey. Right. Yes, that was my first it drink, shouldn't. too. And really? I felt like such an adult when I had my first one. Like, I remember the first time I went out drinking with friends, <laughs> and they're like... Because I didn't like the, the harsh taste of alcohol, right? Yeah. And so they were like... I have the perfect drink for you. And I literally fell in love with Midori Sours that night. Oh and that's all I drank for like three gimlets. years. And the bartenders were like, you're seriously going to make me make Gimlet right so now? The thing, <laughs> so the reason I changed my drinking is because um, I, I would literally get shit from bartenders. Like they would literally yeah. look at me like, seriously, really, dude? Like yeah. you're ordering Midori Sour? Like, yeah, me too. This is not a gay bar. So you, you switched mean, to blueberry vodka and soda? Oh, yeah. That was my love, drink too. Love, love, love. Did you get that from me or did I get that from him? I started drinking it after Sean started drinking it. Did you do a blueberry vodka no, and Sprite? No, I thought you got that from me. I used to do blueberry yeah. vodka and Sprite. Mm-hmm. Mine's blueberry and soda. Mm-hmm. Well, now no. I do blueberry buns, blueberry and soda. You still drink that? It, it I order that sometimes. It's pretty good, yeah. I'm not a big vodka person, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So like, I typically don't drink vodka when I'm out. I'll drink, I will now drink whiskey, which I is I guess weird, I forgot that they to. make the blueberry vodka. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that acai berry? Vodka? Yeah, I didn't like that one as much. So my Vive? favorite vodka. Oh, Vive, yeah. My absolute favorite vodka is um it's called Effen, E F F E N. Cucumber. No, black cherry. Oh. So that with some Sprite or some club soda is fucking delicious. Interesting. It's really good. Effen's really good. Order that next time you're out. Mm. You're welcome. Order an Effen martini. <laughs> yeah. Give me that Effen martini. Give me an Effen martini, bro. <laughs> Give me that Effen sponsor. All right. Ooh. <laughs> Jexy. Let's talk about Jexy. Okay. I want to start out by saying that I really hyped this film on our fall preview Sean episode. I was very excited and to see I this. had not been this excited to see a movie in I don't know how long. He raced to the movie theater. I literally spent three hours in traffic getting to this movie because that's how excited as I was. And let me tell you that like there was literally that moment where I got home to take my dog out and I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going back out in the traffic. But I did. Mm-hmm. And I regret For that. this movie. I regret it. So I'm going to say that you share the same beliefs as the critics. Uh, It has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, but a 74% audience score. Oh, interesting. Which I feel like I align more with the audience. I don't know if I would give it that high of an audience. I wanted to actually read you some of the, like, I don't usually read reviews, but Mm -hmm. I, to research for this episode, I actually went in and looked at some. And I just want to read the headlines because they're kind of funny and yeah. whatever. So one of them is, Jexy needs an update. <laughs> wait, wait, it gets better. This one is, Jexy is seriously bad. <laughs> and then this is an, a really interesting take on things that I hadn't really thought about until I read it. But um, the evil smartphone movie Jexy doesn't understand why people like technology. And I'd actually like to start with that as like the lead off into our conversation because I do think that like the movie made fun of technology, yeah, but it didn't really talk about like why are we addicted to technology? I don't think society. it made fun of technology. I think it made fun of our attachment yeah. to technology. How we can never put it down. And sure, constantly... but like in order to do that effectively, I think you need to talk about why 
people are using it to begin with and why we're glued to our phones. Well, and, and it didn't I think really... that it, it did in a sense at certain points where it's like calendars, schedules, all of the things that are accessible to, at our fingertips is there and maps and driving and yeah. getting lost in a city that you know 20 years ago 30 years ago would have been incredibly difficult for somebody to navigate where the fuck they are 20 years ago i would say 10 years ago (laughs) it's not this stuff has not been around that long and that's what's so interesting a movie like this really had an opportunity to like take this and like run with it Mm -hmm. and on the trailer from my perspective the trailer did that the trailer was like fuck this is going to be amazing because this virtual assistant whatever is going to take control of his life and just fuck shit up in amazing ways and it like started to go there. But I then wish it, it did it more. You're right. Same. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess just, I didn't realize. Yeah. That. Like yeah. somewhere in like, I would say not even three fourths of the movie, like halfway into the movie, it became the sappy romantic comedy where I'm like, yeah, trust me, I love a good sappy romantic comedy more than anyone <laughs> else. But I was like, no, this is not what I came for. Like, to Natalie's point, I put it down. I was like, you sold me the wrong Oh yeah, because you know why? I felt it was more like- a bag you, of goods. You thought that it was going to be more of like his relationship with Jexy and not like the real human girl. And just more of her like- Because she wasn't in the trailer. Taking control of things. Who? The girlfriend? The, the girlfriend. No, she wasn't. Yeah. The and saying is a bill of goods, right? I think it's bill of goods. Yeah. Bill. I say you, a bag of goods. You, you bag do of say goods. a bag of goods. We'll bag of goods. Sell me a false bag Like of a goods. literal bag of goods. <laughs> so. <laughs> what else? It's who's a bill of me, sale. Who's giving me a bill of no, items? No, I think it is a bag of goods and a bill of sale. I don't. There's some. The saying, when he said bill of goods, I was like. No, I don't think that's... I actually think Natalie's right. I actually think (laughs) you're right about this. I like to say a shit bag of goods. I'm so glad we're doing the lighthearted episode. I knew this was going to like counterbalance the Joker, depressing, you know, topical stuff. So I just... I think my thing is like it was funny and I was actually really glad to see like when I looked over and saw you guys like you seemed like you were really enjoying it and laughing. Okay, Natalie got the gigs. Natalie totally did. And I liked that because the movie lost me about I would say it was around the time that um, it was right after the concert when they went to see Kid Cudi. Mm -hmm. Uh, for some reason, like that, it literally just dropped off for me, and I was like, uh. "Well, because there is that whole section where it's like he leaves his phone at home, which is the whole." story Uh, you're selling us yeah and it's like well if he doesn't have his phone and that isn't you know and it's funny because i didn't even look at it as ooh, all the like crazy circumstances they're gonna get into and like hijinks ensue with the phone you know taking over i didn't go into the movie thinking i'm gonna see how this phone fucks up his life yeah i just i had no expectations going into it other than i like adam divine and i want to see what this movie is gonna be you know and so I was along for the ride. I didn't really have preconceived ideas of like what kind of crazy stuff I was yeah. going to see the phone doing to him. Yeah. So I think it did still do a lot of stuff in the first two acts or for the like first half of the movie, at least with yeah. like sending the dick pic. But to all of that was in the trailer, though. All of not that was that, in the trailer. The, the dick, dick pic, pic wasn't. wasn't. Um, that was absolutely. When you saw him taking those pictures, you knew exactly where that was going. I oh. felt at least. And that didn't happen in the beginning. That happened. Like, that's what got him fired. That's what happened after he left the phone at home. Yeah. To my point where everything dropped off. That's when that picture was sent or whatever. I think for me, I'm going to be really honest with you. The one person that made this movie, I was thought it was going to be able to say Justin Hartley. <gasps> tragically i'm not what wanda sykes oh like, yeah wanda. without I, wanda sykes in this film i would have been i don't know as it wouldn't soon have been a as she movie. like her first like little scene i was like man where has she been she's so she's damn so funny. goddamn funny like literally everything she's like, she she says adam and... was funny no i didn't Whoa. actually i think that adam she is very adam though he's the same person in everything i've ever seen yeah him, which it's is getting yeah. a little bit i think that's great if you're into him i don't I'm like into him, him you know so I, I, I don't like funny. him the righteous gemstones he's doing a little bit of different adam yeah he's not so uh pitch perfect adam mm. um and yeah it gets to me because you guys know i get very annoyed with that you're the same goddamn character and he kind of is the the new age uh, wannabe chris farley like the way he moves and he hmm. really yeah. kind of laughs and like I know that he really looks up to Chris Farley and you can kind of tell like mm-hmm. the, the movements he does sometimes and he's, I'm like I just want you to be you. For me he's one of those people that like I look at all the aspiring people in this town trying to make it and I'm like why does he keep getting opportunities like he's not 
he doesn't fit anything for me that should make him as popular as he is. Like, I don't think he's that attractive. I know you do. I'm sorry. Oh, I think he's adorable. I don't think he's that funny. I don't. He doesn't come across as like this mad chemistry with anyone I've ever seen him in a movie with. Like, why Did is you he, see? Um, why do they keep casting Mike him? Mike and Dave need wedding dates? No. He's with Zac Efron. And Natalie's pissed. I can hysterical. see Hysterical. But I will say there is one point in the movie when he's riding the bike down this hill. No, that wasn't funny. It wasn't funny for me because it's very similar to Mike and Dave need wedding dates when he's on the four-wheeler and doesn't want to go. Oh, yeah. interesting. But then it leads into a really funny move that he Natalie, you have <laughs> thoughts. I can see in your face. I know. I just feel personally attacked by you. Oh, my God. By all of the right. things oh, you just said. I know. I'm sorry. It's hard. You know what? We're all not going to like the same things. Totally. That's just part of it. And it's weird where it's like... And that's why part of my gigs extended into a five minute <laughs> yeah, that can't was weird. breathe and crying. I didn't actually session. understand what was happening. Neither did I. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I think beca- literally what was going through my brain was that like I thought that moment was so fucking funny. Which moment? When he ran into the door. When he, he just was, like, well, I just walked was, into the door. Like he was like talking to Jexy and he's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go walk in there. I'm going to go talk to her. And he was like, it was the first time he was going to come into the bike shop and see her after he called her oh, and had I that weird conversation. That. That or the, funny. After the coffee yeah. shop. So he runs in the door and just his immediate reaction, oh my God, I just ran into the door and walks away. And I just thought it was <laughs> fucking hysterical. And I was like looking around the theater. I was like, nobody else is laughing and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> and the then worst. the idea of that then made me laugh laughing <laughs> because I was like, why do I find this so funny? And it's like this movie... Like, that scene was made just for my humor and nobody else's. Like, well, when you and there was a 90-year-old man sitting next to me on the other side, I think it was made for him, too. Okay. He loved it. Let me tell you about you the couple guys. sitting next oh, yeah. to me, guys. Okay. Oh, okay. We all were. But I was like, you weren't the only one that laughed. You were just the only one that kept laughing. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is true. But it just, like, I maybe it was because it was, like, I couldn't hear other people laughing during my first initial laughing. Yeah, yours was a pretty loud laugh. Yeah. But definitely the couple next to me laughed for okay. sure. Okay, but it, w- it was silent. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, And I just thought I just that just kept it going. I just couldn't. Okay, I was literally so, tears were pouring down my face. I know. I was it was laughing. really uncomfortable. Was very yeah, I'm just sitting there trying to eat my nachos. By the way, the nachos <laughs> at that MC, like I just want to talk about this for a second. We went to see it at Sunset. They need more sour sunset, cream, though. Sunset 5. Or crema, whatever the fuck they call it. Okay, so. These nachos were literally like, I love me a good plate of nachos. These were like the never ending nachos. Like, oh, I swear yeah. to God, I just kept <laughs> eating end. and eating and eating. And like, you had what? a large portion. Dude, that's the only size seen, they sell. I know, you. but yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it that big. Even when you've gotten them before, it mm-hmm. wasn't that moundful. Oh I told him about the one time they gave me all the toppings on the oh side my in different containers. And I'm like, so I have to build <laughs> the fucking the nachos? $15 nachos? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That said, I spent. Thirty dollars, yeah, on nachos and a glass of wine, and I'm like, this is not for me. I don't like that theater. But it was, and a, I don't, it was a bottomless nacho. Place, I though. still don't think that they have surround sound in that theater. I there's something about watching a film in that theater that like bothers me because well, it's like well, that we saw, one we were in was bad. Number two is bad. Yeah, when we saw it, I went out and told them to turn the volume up. Oh, did you really? Yeah, because oh, I was like, this is ridiculous. Because oh, you guys saw it there, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. You did? Yes. Oh, I'm that annoying God. person. Wow. I've never had you a- do need a hearing because <laughs> I don't think they turned it up. They I think they did they a didn't. little bit. But honey, they didn't do it. I think we're also spoiled with like Prime and Dolby and like all these special ways we get to see movies now where it's like when I have to go see something in like a regular theater. I'm like, oh, something, something that's a scary thing. I didn't mind it so much in this movie because again, I will talk about this later about mm-hmm. the theatrical release of this movie. The movie did not need, I don't care about the surround sound in this movie, for it and scares that are not going to land because they're not loud enough. I have a big problem. Like, And as somebody who's made a movie that was shown in a couple theaters, a couple. (laughs) Both of them. Let's talk about it. (laughs) It's like, yeah, these moments aren't going to land unless all of the sound is at the level that it's supposed to be. That's why you have sound design. And that's exactly. And it's. All the theaters are supposed to be at, they have their dials that are, I think, can go up to 10. Most of the time, the speakers will blow at like an 8. So they should be at a 7. Most theaters, like AMC, if you go into any of their projection rooms, they're at a 4. Interesting. Every single time I've gone to check. Why is that? Do like a tech check of a movie. You go and check the sound. It's at a 4 every fucking time. And it's supposed to be at a 7. I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to like 
save the speakers Conserve. or people complain that it's too loud or whatever but it's like I there's mean, certain I feel movies like it's already so loud and it's if a, a movie's four? too loud for you go watch it at home like yeah. i am in there f- i go to the theater for an immersive experience if if it's too loud that is my problem yeah like right it's a movie theater there's there's literally big speakers everywhere I'm also expecting... it's too cold but i'm not complaining about that i just bring a fucking sweater <laughs> okay now we're just totally digressing <laughs> no but i'm so, saying it's my problem because other people aren't hot yeah. or cold yeah. yeah so i guarantee you that theater is probably at like oh, a that three. Theater, well, th- that number two we were in was a horrible one. Yeah. It's awful. It's I will awful. even say that. Normally, I don't even notice shit like that. When but you guys want to like, go see movies there, sucks. I'm always like, Ugh. It's just it's convenient. Yeah, it's pretty convenient. Is it, though? Yes. I don't know. For me, it's the same distance as Universal, so I'm like, eh. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but the parking Universal. Ugh. I know. Jesus That's a real pain okay. in the A. Especially so, during Halloween Horror Nights. So this is the movie podcast. Oh, oh right. We were talking about a movie theater. I would say Yasser. I want to talk for a moment about getting back to like the Adam Devine lack of attractiveness thing from Is my it perspective. Divine or divine? divine? I say divine all Sorry, the time. Divine. Okay, Adam great. Divine. Um, he's he's so not divine. related to Adam Divine. You mean Devine. Adam Levine. What? Levine. Levine. God okay. damn it. Why would he, that was going to be a funny joke. Why would Adam <laughs> Levine <laughs> be related to Adam Divine? Shut Explain up. why that would be a thing ever. Okay. I want to talk about the oh fact that there is no world, fantasy or not, in oh, which anyone would oh. ever pick him over Justin fucking Hartley. Go fuck yourself. And what did I say as soon as we left the theater? I was like, mm-hmm, married ex-husband, me. I know, but I don't care. if that's, It's real life. If I, he comes back into your life, you take him. You, you take that true. man and you say, no. I'm going to go no. travel to wherever with you. No, because he was a very narcissistic, selfish person still. Are we yeah. talking about your ex-husband or are we talking about I'm Justin talking about Hartley's that character, character and my ex-husband. <laughs> I was like, ah. They are world's, one world's in collide. the same. Okay. It's, yeah, like, good looks, Justin as a person, love. Love. Yeah, if Justin Hartley wants to come and date me, no problem. No problem. But that's not real life right now. <laughs> and right I think now. the character that years. he played in their relationship, <laughs> I think that that made wanted. sense. That so this is what, I, more of what she wanted. Here's what I would argue, though. Perhaps... But my issue is that he wasn't in enough of it for me to not like him the way that she allegedly did. Like there, and there was nothing he did that yeah. was like, oh, I could see why she would pick Adam over him. No, that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I think that Justin is very likable. He's not a like. Unfortunately, he is yeah, so Yeah, he's likable. not like a douchey hot guy that's no. like, oh, okay, I get why she yeah. feels this way. It is hard because he can kind of do a lot of terrible things and i think most people he just him. has such a likable quality to him he does i agree so i think that that's more of the fault of the casting lovable i would even say yeah no he's so lovable but i think that that's the intention of the character i kind of got it and it's, i got it i mean you know the I whole point it. of like that she left that life with him because she was trying to build something else for herself and i think in this new life of what she wanted to live Adam, his character, Phil, fit that. Allowed her to be what she wanted to become. And be totally herself. And and if she was going to go with Brody, Justin's character, she'd have to live his world because this was about him and him wanting to do this. And it's not like he was trying to include her. He was just like, come with me. Can we talk about the fifth lady? The fifth character? The fifth character. Jexie. No, San Francisco. Oh. oh, I was trying to do like a weird Sex and the City reference there. So. I said immediately. I also, I was like, you know how you love New York? I fucking love San Francisco. I know. And I, you said you actually said you love it more than New York. I, I like, love <gasps> it more than New York. Yeah, both of you gasped at me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm sorry, that. but I love San Francisco. It is my favorite city. I can't live there, but it's my favorite. city. Anytime you guys want to take a road trip, my oh, best friends live there. You're I right love in the city. it. I love it so much. Okay. Well, well, I mean, I do think that Sam Francisco, it was a great character in San it. Fr- I think. San Fr- San Francisco. <laughs> My mouth got dry. San Francisco. San Are you talking about San Francisco? I'm. You know what? I've had my martini. Now I've had your martini. Some things aren't going to come out. Also, this is the longest episode ever. I'm no. sweating to Some death. things aren't going to come out the way that I intended them to. And I think we just roll with it Fair. and just give me I the benefit of the doubt. Okay. So on top of San Francisco being a great character, I do want to talk about how great. I know you don't love Adam, but oh. how difficult 
that is that the majority of this movie was him talking to a phone and that's supposed to be entertaining and i feel like he did a fantastic job because it's like to me there's not a lot of actors that could have a role like this and keep me entertained during that i to me i felt like I thought he did a really, really good job. Joaquin Phoenix did a much better job. Okay. Oh. This is a totally different movie. Wow. But I'm saying that like that was even more so the yes. performance that you're suggesting. And I felt like that I didn't think about it. I'm uncomfortable sitting here between you two. <laughs> just kidding. This isn't a battle over like which I'm one's just better. I yeah, think, no. These are two completely different movies. And I yeah, think from sure. my perspective, I was expecting like the... Yeah, what were you expecting? I don't know because her is one of my favorite movies, and it's very similar. The fact that you were going to compare compare this movie to her is insane. The problem, though, I felt like he was very excited that it was going to be something similar, but just more of like a comedy. Her, it was like the comedic. Mm -hmm. Like if you like everything that could have gone wrong in the Joaquin Phoenix version of it, like could have happened in this, and it didn't. And like, and I think we we addressed this before. I just wanted it to go further. I wanted it to be like if you're going to go that like. Crazy, you didn't want like, the girlfriend. You don't want the humans there. You wanted just the phone. No, I, I was a totally okay because uh, sorry to compare it to it, but like to, in her, the other relationships actually made the dynamic with him and the phone more interesting. Mm-hmm. I felt in her. I didn't. That didn't happen with this movie. There was nothing about any of the other characters. Like I think maybe the boss was kind of entertaining. Like he was annoying as fuck, but like the guy Michael Pena was whatever, so funny. He was oh really my funny. God, I love Michael right? Pena. And like the people that he like the relationships that he like Wanda Sykes again one of my favorite comedic performances I've seen in a really yeah. long time. Like so she was born to play like the customer service person that doesn't give a fuck about you. Oh like that God, literally is like her, her perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Right. So like, I don't know. It just, and I don't like Adam, but like I liked him and isn't romantic. So there was enough, there's enough like ability for him for me to like go into this thinking like, Oh, I'm going to give it a shot. And like mm-hmm. I said, the preview sold me. Like I literally, this was there's to lose as far as like the second mm-hmm. I sat down like and again I had come from a long day sat in traffic a bunch like I, I was ready to like be entertained and laugh and it just didn't happen for me. yeah I laughed my ass off twice I know twice I'm sitting next to you <laughs> also I just got the correlation Joaquin her yeah Jexy the phone Joker and Jexy is a joke <laughs> It's all come full circle. It's now I get it. Mm-hmm. Now I know why we're doing this. Yeah. Oh. Oh, thanks for getting looping me in there, guys. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this one? Well, now, I will say one of the things that I did not, I I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was funny. I, yeah. It's my type of humor. I enjoy it. Whatever. Obviously. It's like, <laughs> well, I think to me, it's like, you know. It's a pretty simple concept. It's the same thing as like Good Boys where it's like, you know, it's really funny to hear these things come out of this ki- yeah. the kid's mouth and stuff like that. It's super funny to hear your phone talking to you like that. Like that's or the concept. having it's sex not- with it. But Good Boys is one of my favorite movies of the year and it's because that film had a heart. Like there was something at its core that made me care about everybody mm-hmm. in it. This lacked that entirely, I felt. Oh, I felt like it had a little bit of heart and like his story. It tried to. Yeah, it just didn't work. It's I do like him, so it's like to me, it's it was fine, and I thought he was really funny and he was great in it, and I I I had very low expectations, and I was entertained. That's all I could really ask. Yeah, I definitely entertained. It wasn't the best movie ever. But it's something that you can definitely just Mm. watch it if it's on in the background. If future Sean had told me last week, been like future Sean was like Sean, don't do this. Oh. It'll be, no. I, I would have listened. My complaints <laughs> about the movie, which I feel like would have made it better. I fucking hated how it was shot. I hated it. Oh, it was so weird. Was, Why was it wobbly? It was, and I went and looked up who the directors were, which I was like, "Why do you need two directors for this movie?" But, oh, weird. Um, oh, there were two directors. Two directors. Did we read that in the beginning? No. I think they're like directing uh, oh, and yeah, writing partners and stuff. Oh. And so they've done features, which is shocking because it was shot like a twenty-two minute Modern Family episode. Where it's like oh, all handheld, yeah. fast panning and zooms, and it's like it was I very can't, weird. I can't sit in a movie theater on a mass, a big screen yeah. and watch this. Like yeah. that's just to me not pleasing to my eyes. If I'm home and this is a Netflix movie, fine. Like I, I don't think that that would be a problem. Yeah. So that's where I was like, this should have been released. This should not be a theatrical release. Well, and that I was going to be one way. of my notes. Mm. We all know how I feel about Netflix yes. movies. Yeah. This was a Netflix movie. Yeah, which yeah. I think would have been like totally Netflix fine. It. Totally. Yeah. Like I enjoy, it's super enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like you'll love it. To me, it's like 
at the same level as um, someone great. It's kind of like that sort of thing where it's just oh, like, yeah. this is a really like yeah. good movie. Yeah. Very enjoyable. Turn it on. But to go pay, pay for $20. it, go to a movie theater, right. and then feel slightly physically ill of motion sickness because of how you shot it. And it's not like this is like a found footage or fucking army movie where I'm in the fucking war with people. Like, I don't need this shooting style. Yeah, that was weird. By the way, total digression, but it made me think of you. Um, this our, So our scary movie episode hasn't aired. I think it airs next week. But one of the things we talk about is your brilliant um, idea of how they marketed paranormal activity. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And there's a new movie coming out where they're doing that same thing where they're like in the trailer, they're like showing you the audience reaction and stuff. And I'm like, oh, oh what I movie? don't think this is. It's the one where the phone tells Countdown. you when you're going to die. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the they're new, doing that? The new TV commercials are showing people reacting oh. in the audience. Okay. And it's like. Um, I don't I buy don't, that. Those are real. No. Same. 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 Dumb. Anyway. All right, we ready to score this one? Yep. Lena, yeah. you go first. I gave it a three. Three. I gave this a four, mm-hmm. um, which makes me really, really sad to say because I wanted to love this movie so well, much. Well, mine's a three because Justin Hartley and Wanda Sykes. Mine is a four because Justin Hartley and Wanda Sykes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Natalie? I gave it a two. I was totally entertained. Interesting. It's, okay. She so, loved it. I know. Pardon me. I've been watching a comedy recently a lot. Uh, called Tag that was released oh last year. Oh my god, she can't I stop watching fucking. You love haven't this seen movie. it? No. It's so oh, good. I'm, I will watch I've it. I've seen you. it at least ten times, and she's watched it at least five really? more times than me. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I've to never me, seen that trailer like for like. Oh a year my god, it's so. Jeremy great. Renner is phenomenal. Yeah. Did you guys see the um, Between Two Ferns movie yes, on Netflix? It. There's no. a moment. Is, is it Jeremy Renner that's in it? There's one of the actors from Tag is in it, and he's like, "So can we talk about Tag? Why?" What, was that a contract? John Hamm. Like, it was oh, so, I was going to say yeah. John so Hamm. funny. By the yeah. way, John Hamm, I have a new love for him. I oh, mean, he's is, but, great yeah. in tag, too. But, uh, he's what, not so great in Lucy in the Sky, but that's for another oh. episode. Oh. Well, what I was going to say is that, like, to me, this is, like, that type of comedy where it's, like, if I'm home, it's on. I'm going to put it on and laugh. And in the background? Be doing, yeah, yeah, in the background. Yeah. In the background. And so, <laughs> it, to me, it was exactly what I needed it to be. It was, I was entertained. I didn't go in with any crazy expectations thinking it was going to be something that it wasn't. I'm glad I didn't really actually pay for this movie. Oh, yeah. Thank you, AMC yeah. First Class. A-list. La- A-last. A-last. It's going to be my A-last, bitch. A-last. Like going to another one of your shitty movies. Oh. Oh. Wow. Okay. okay. Well, okay. Thanks for joining us for this lovely. <laughs> bum ba bum Incredibly long episode, but we had a good time. As always, we want to thank you for listening. For more information, please be sure to visit themartiniscale.com, where you can find links for all of our social channels in addition to show notes and more. If you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. It helps others discover the show. We'll see you next time. Cheers! Cheers. Bye!